Welcome to episode 28 of the Travelling Wellness Show. For today's show, I'm in Sydney, Australia and at the home of Caruso's natural health founder and Australia's legendary health crusader, Frank Caruso. At 63 years of age, Frank epitomises what healthy living encompasses and puts to bed the stigma that ageing equals degeneration. Frank's candour and eagerness to share is testament to the passion which lies behind the Caruso's brand, yet ultimately, Frank speaks a very simple truth which is also very close to his heart. You can live better, you can feel better, and you can reclaim the life you once knew. Frank has generously shared various information and health packs with all of today's listeners and these downloads are available at the Travelling Wellness Show's website under episode 28. Frank has been extremely influential in my life as I know he will also be in yours and I'm excited to share this episode of the Frank Caruso story with you right now. Please enjoy the show guys. listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Good. I'm good. Yep, lovely. Well, welcome guys to episode 28 of the Travelling Wellness Show. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host, and very, very pleased to have a man here of very high esteem, for me at least, a man who's, I've been very uh, grateful to call a mentor uh, for the last, what, 18, 20 years, you think, Frank? About 20 18, years. 20 years, yeah, yeah and, and moreover a friend. So we're here at the home of Frank Caruso. Frank is the founder of the uh, natural health phenomenon company, uh, Caruso's Natural Health, which you guys have probably seen in uh, pharmacies and health food stores. Uh, they're everywhere. They do an amazing job. They've got great standardized herbal range they've just brought to the market. But it's funny, you know, guys, Frank's one of these fellows that before I push record, he's asked me to actually not promote his brand, which is quite unusual. <laughs> um, Frank's an unusual fellow in the fact that he's been in this game a very, very long time. Uh, he left his um, uh, job as a auto mechanic in uh, 1979 or 1980 and went on to start a health food store in Fairfield down here in Sydney and wanted to change the life of not just himself but others. So welcome to the show, Frank. Really good to have you here. Thank you for spending the time to tell us your story today. Oh, thank you very much, Shannon. It's a pleasure to be here, mate, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. I really no, appreciate it. it. Absolutely. Thanks for that, that beautiful intro. Well, mate, it's the best I could do at the moment on a uh, Saturday afternoon. We're not far from going out for <laughs> dinner. But... <laughs> hey, mate. We just fed you a nice, uh, beautiful lunch there, Nice mate. lunch. Yeah. We've been here on Frank's property, guys. My kids are having a ball. He's got these uh, little buggies, and we've been playing around out the back, which has mm. been, been fun. But, Frank, we, we've got a, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's a, a, what would you say? The topic of today is one which is very much conversational, but it's, it's certainly got an undertone of uh, some seriousness in the fact that you changed your life very much in uh, 1980 or thereabouts. You were, uh, as I said, uh, a motor mechanic, um, big fan of the rotary engine as you and I have in common mm. and for some reason you go from being you know 100 odd kilos overweight not looking after yourself to someone who has now not just changed the life of yourself and your family but changed the life of hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world mm. uh, lecturing in pharmacies and lecturing at health food stores and telling the Frank Caruso story that we're here to tell today 
how this all happened, mate? Why, why do we go from greens and oil chains to changes to uh, detoxification <laughs> processes? Yeah, mate, it really is an interesting story. And sometimes I've got to stop and think about it because it's happened so quickly, even though it's been, gee, 39 years now. Mm. It all started when I started to train at a gym to lose some weight. Like you said, I was 101 kilos, uh, very unfit. Uh, I had a few health issues even at that young age. and uh, But, you know, you just felt it was part and parcel of growing old. And, gee, I was only... 22 years of age or something. <laughs> so um, I started training at this gym at Regent's Park and I was there for a couple of weeks and and uh, on on occasions I'd go to the milk bar and buy some dinner and, and come back because I used to train after work. And uh, I'd go back and start chatting to the owner of the gym. His name was George, uh, George Chapel actually. And uh, George must have been around maybe 70 years of age back then. And he said, uh, look Frank, I don't mind you coming here and training, it's great. But if you don't change your diet, you're not going to live a long, healthy life. And I says, what do you mean, George? I'm eating a hamburger, fill a salad, and, and um, you know, the, the chips may be a little bit too much. And, and yeah, the Coca-Cola is, uh, <laughs> is just there to wash it down. Maybe it's a bit of sugar in that. He says, he says look, Frank, uh, he turned around, grabbed this book, handed it to me. He says, look, do yourself a favor, buy this book, and I promise you it will change your life. And I says, um, can't you just tell me what to do, George? You know, I don't want to read a book. And he says, no, nah, take this book, buy it, and, um, and I'm, I guarantee it'll change your life. So I bought the book. cost me $2.95. This was back in 1979. It was about 250 pages. And the book was called Miracle Fasting by Paul Bragg. Uh, I got it home, threw it in the drawer, and really didn't intend to read it. But I felt... Look, I better read the first few pages because there's no doubt George is going to ask me some questions when I get back to the gym. So I picked the book up and started reading the first page, and I cannot—I literally could not put this book down, mate. I, I read it cover to cover. Wow, two hundred and fifty pages. So what was it about? It? What was it about those first few pages that just grabbed look, you by the short and curly? Mate, I, I think people have asked me this question. It says surely one book couldn't have changed your life, but it, it actually did. You know, I went from one day eating anything that Grace put in front of me. To the next day, not eating anything that she cooked. Wow! So it, it was it was a quite a and you've got huge... strong Italian ancestry as well. So you're you're a pasta boy, uh, and absolutely pizza boy. Yep. So the, the the message in the book was this: it it, it the, the, I think in the first two or three pages, he said, "Mate, you are what you eat," and he said, "Prevention is better than cure." Mm. I've never heard anyone make those statements before, and he said. You know, most people live to eat where we should be eating to live. Mm. I don't know why, but that, that had a profound impact on me. Probably, well, the, you know, these days it's almost, you know, the sort of thing that gets thrown around, right? Back yeah. in 1979, though, that was a whole different conversation. Mate, there was no education on nutrition back in those days. And yep. people smoked, um, you know, people drank alcohol like mm. water and, and we ate anything that was put in front of us, you know, yeah. ice, ice cream, soft drinks, um, sweets, whatever you, you fancied you ate. So um, this is the first time that I heard anyone say that you can make a difference. Mm. Take control of your own health mm. and responsibility for your own health and you can live a long, healthy life. And I guess, just thinking about that, Shannon, it's funny, but when I was about 10 years of age, um, my compadre Vinci he had a 10-year-old son uh, which just died from from brain tumor, and I remember asking Mum. I said, Mum, why why did Johnny die from from brain tumor? 
And uh, she says, look, it's just God's will. Mm. And as a 10-year-old, you know, you think, well, well, shit, you know, you, you, your life could be over tomorrow and, and you've got no control of it. truth, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I guess when I, when I read that message that, hey, it doesn't have to be that way, that if you do look after your, your health and you do eat to live, that maybe we can prolong our life and maybe we can prevent disease. Mm. So that, that, that's what changed my life, mate. And I, I just, um, to me, it was, um, it, was, it was just a big discovery and I, I wanted to share that information with everyone. I, I felt that it was my responsibility not just to help myself and my family, but to try and share it with all my friends mm. and my, and my mum and dad and my immediate family. So I just went on a crusade. It was, it was, it was just instant. You know? It's funny, you know, as a uh, quick side note, I've never heard that story before, as you'd probably know, despite our time together. But I remember when we were over in Anaheim, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, I, now I know why you had near tears in your eyes when we were talking to Patricia Bragg, Paul Bragg's yeah. daughter, obviously. So the, the Bragg family that. were an insightful bunch of people in your life. <laughs> I remember Patricia coming up and, goes, and she had this big crowd, and she had that crowd of people waiting, crowd. Yeah, waiting for the book signing, and she calls me up the front, and she goes, see this guy? My daddy saved his life. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. What a proud moment. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, so that's how it all started. And um, I literally could not wait to share what I learned with the world. So at what point, though, was what you learned put into actually doing, Frank? Because obviously reading a yeah. book's one thing, okay. right? But implementation's vital. Well, first things first, I, I started eating properly. So I, I eliminated all refined foods, only ate whole foods. I ate real foods. Yeah. I still ate my, my pastas, but it was all wholemeal pasta. I ate rice, but it was brown rice. Yep. I ate bread, but it was wholemeal rye bread. bread or wholemeal bread or stone ground bread. It was, yep. um, I, ate, I tried to get organic, but in those days, organic was hard to come by, especially mm. fruit and vegetables. I eliminated all processed food, uh, no sugars, no dairy, no um, um, sweets. Uh, so that was, that was a dramatic shift. And what did that do for you? Look, the first thing I'd done is I started dropping weight, weight very quickly. I was trained at the gym, still the same gym, but my weight started to come off um, very, very quickly. In fact, for the first two years, I actually went vegan. Mm. I don't know if I ever told you that. No, I never knew that. Yeah, I went vegan for two years. You're not meant to save this stuff for a podcast and surprise me with it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, lost um, 40 kilos wow. in two years. So I went from 101 to 61 kilos. But let me say that... I was running up to 60 kilometers a week. I used to run on an average 10 k's every morning. Mm. And not just jog, I used to run. I used to run four-minute k's. Um, and my best time for 10 k's was 37 minutes, which is not a really fast time when you, when you run with runners. Mm. I was running with runners, and they were doing it in like 28 to 30 minutes, and you know, you're a couple of kilometers behind them. But 37 minutes and a four-minute a kilometer is, uh, is a pretty fast pace. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't do five in that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just I had more energy if... I don't think if I didn't change my diet, I wouldn't have felt as good and I wouldn't have been able to train as hard. And I trained at the gym too, so that helped also. But another big part of um, the weight loss was my fasting mm. regime. So that was totally foreign to me. And uh, I never shared it with a lot of people because fasting in those days was, um, you know, it was a little bit out there. People yeah. would think you were crazy. And yeah. I used to fast just on water. So Paul Bragg's book was called Miracle of Fasting. Um, was all about purifying the body, looking after your bowel, mm-hmm. number one. And to do that, um, he recommended that we fast 24 hours once a week. So I started doing that. And um, so literally just no food 
and you go just just on water for 24 hours. And that was working out really well for me once a week. I used to start on a Sunday night, Sunday morning, in fact, and, and start eating again on a Monday morning. So uh, what I did um, after that, after a few months, Paul says, if you feel really good and um, you feel like you want to go a little bit further, go on a 36-hour fast once a week. Mm. So I tried that. So I started fasting. My last meal was 6 o'clock on a Sunday night, and my next meal was um, 8 o'clock on um, Tuesday morning. So I went for 36 hours. Wow. Feeling really, really good. Uh, and then I, I went on the next stage, which was fasting three days. So it's 72 hours once a month. So you still fast your 36 hours every week, but every four weeks I do the, um, the three-day fast just on water. And I worked through the fast too. And um, the longest fast I've ever done, and I did this after two years, 10 days straight. Just water. Wow. Yeah. And I work. Paul Bragg recommends that you don't walk. I work through the 10 days. Look, I'm not suggesting people should go out there and fast yeah. for 10 days. Yeah. You remember, I, I, I fasted for every every week and then and then three days every month. Uh, and it took two years before I built up the 10 days. And the reason I'd done it is I just wanted to purify my body of all heavy metals. Uh, and, and that was Paul's um, um, sort of, you know, Solution, yeah, it. solution to getting rid of all the impurities that maybe have built up over the years. Yep. And I've got to tell you, I never felt as good as I did on that ten-day fast. Hunger, it, hunger goes away after three days. You, you, you just don't get hungry. What happens? There was no science back then. Yeah. Paul Bragg didn't talk about um, yeah, ketone body ketones production and stuff, or, yeah. or can, um, uh, ketosis, but that's what was happening. The ketosis was. Was uh, was working. I was breaking down my body fat and using that for energy. Yeah. Uh, so that was the um, that was a really good experience. Mm. So when did you open the health food store? Okay. So um, uh, because I was trying to share this information with everybody, something I <laughs> you needed really, some way to do it. <laughs> I, I I was getting frustrated because I was forcing it on people, yeah. and and I, I learned very quickly that just because you have got a passion for something doesn't doesn't give you the right to force on people. Mm. And I said to Grace, I really love to do this full time. It's what I love, you know. And she said, um, and she says, well, what do you want to do? I says, look, I want, to, I want to open up a health food store. I was shopping in health food stores then and love the environment, love the aroma. I says, I really like this. That way I can do this full time. I can, I can tell people that come into the health food store about natural living. And, and hopefully they'll, they'll want to listen, right? You don't have to bore the, uh, the apprentice mechanic with you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, I, I love being a motor mechanic and I really enjoyed it. Like you mentioned earlier, I was, I was specialised in rotary motors, so I did my apprenticeship with Mazda. Uh, but this is, it's funny, you know, you go along life wanting to do one thing and you're really passionate about it. And, and don't forget, I was in a rock band then too. Yeah, back in the long <laughs> yeah, years. My first son was born while I was on the bloody road. Grace will never let me forget that. But... Um, uh, so I had a lot of passions in my life, but I just discovered something that I was just m- much more passionate about. And I thought, this is, this is not just good for me. This is good for, for every, everybody because I can really help people, you know? Yeah. So um, I said to Grace, look, I went up in a health food store, but we just bought a block of land. And uh, Grace wanted to build a new house. And I said, look, we can't afford to do both. We either open up the health food store or we, we build a house. So we we discussed it, and she turned around and said, "Look, Frank, it's your it's your passion. Let's open up the health food store, and we can build a house another day." It still shakes me up. I mean, Go, Grace. Yeah, what yeah. a woman. 
And she is. She she's been always very supportive, and uh, she's my rock even to today. Thirty nine years we've been married, in a couple of months. So. Wow. So and I she, didn't, and she uh, makes a mean schnitzel too. I can uh, tell you. The funny thing is, Shannon, is it took sixteen years to get a new house, and I think if I <laughs> if I would have told her that at the time, I, I don't know if she would have yeah, said that's yes. Right. <laughs> the story wouldn't be here. No. Nah, so we opened up the health food store on the first of November, nineteen eighty-two. It was my twenty-eighth birthday, and mate, I was like. Um, you know, a kid in the toy store. Mm. I was just so happy. It was a brand new store and a brand new shopping centre. The actual Fairfield Forum opened on the 1st of November. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the shop was packed. We had a health food bar in, in, in the, the store too and um, had the whole family. I had, I had mum making sandwiches, dad making sandwiches. We were the only the only uh, food shop open when the shopping centre opened. The other restaurants weren't opened at that, that time. And mate, and I was having a ball. And half the family still works there to this very day, right? Yeah, dad, that's <laughs> dad. Well, dad, dad comes in and helps out three days a week, you yeah. know. And uh, he's eighty-six, uh, I think, this year, and uh, he loves it. Keeps him, uh, keeps him energized. Mm. Yeah. So um, the thing I remember, though, Shannon, is um, you know I had this this real thing about educating parents on nutrition because. I was worried about their children. And at the time, I had an 18-month-old baby, Robert. And um, in fact, David was born on the 3rd of November. Grace actually worked in the store on the 1st of November. Jeez. And gave birth to David on the 3rd of November. So, you know, I just left the shop for a few minutes to drop her off the hospital, raced back to the shop, and (laughs) and then went and picked them up a couple of days later. (laughs) But, um, you know, I remember her parents would be coming into the store with her trolley full of uh, the groceries we had coals just next door and um every time i sent a parent with young children i start talking about nutrition and um and i'd always get the same response the parents would say the mother would say oh look i i really watch uh, my my child's diet and it's balanced diet and and um so everything's fine in that apartment and, I, and i'd look at their trolley and i'd say madam would, would you mind if i went for your trolley and seven out of ten mothers would let me. Hmm. So I'd start, I'd pile all the food out of the trolley and put it on my counter. And you could see what I'm, you know, we, the counter was full of all this, this, this produce, all these products. And I'd leave in the trolley what I felt was good nutrition. Not necessarily what I'd eat, but, but reasonably good nutrition. So we had fresh meat in there, fresh dairy, vegetables, fruit. Um, and on the counter, you can see what I'm looking at, right? Yeah, the leftover. Soft drinks, frozen food, chocolates, donuts, uh, all this processed stuff, you know, uh, white flour, white pasta, uh, a whole lot of stuff. How'd that and, go down with the mums? Well, I'd ask the mother because um, most mothers would say that they had a balanced diet. And I'd, show that, I'd, say, I'd point at the trolley and I'd say, Madam, and I'd point at the counter and I'd say, this is not a balanced diet, you know. And, I, and then the next question I ask him, do you have a, a pet? And they'd go, yeah, I've got a dog. I said, what's your dog's name? It's Rover. So tell me, Matt, would you go home, empty out Rover's water bucket and mm. fill it up with soft drink? And she'd go, no, of course not. Would you give it uh, a donut for, for morning tea? <laughs> no, of so course the, not. So the dog's eating better than Well, you know, and, and, and I'd ask all these questions. Would you give them ice cream after dinner or after lunch? And they start getting agitated. And they go, mm. Or chocolate. And they say, of course not. I said, well, why not? And they'd, they'd always come back with the same answer. Because it'll make them sick. Yeah. And I'd say, well, what do you think it's doing to your children? Mm. 
And um, it was ballsy, Frank, to ask big questions it, like that. It was, You're but you know what? In, in, in all the years that I did that, I never had a parent uh, storm out of the shop. And in actual fact, they really started to think about what I was saying. Mm. And they knew it came from a place of care. Yeah, and then and, uh, and and my mission really, I, 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 it sounds a bit selfish. I, when when I was talking to parents, I just felt it was my duty to get the message across, even if I lost them as a customer, mm. because I felt that. If I can get a, get through to them, even if they change just a few things in in their diet, job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's um, that's been my mission up to today, mate. And I still do it today. That's crazy. Tell us about your uh, relationship with Ron. I know <clears throat> Ron was a a big, big big part of your life. Yeah, Ron Galatly, author and um, herbalist yeah. and hardcore uh, standpoint on uh, detoxification and supporting the bowel and the old naturopathic philosophy of when in doubt treat the gut. Uh, I know that yeah. that's pretty much where Caruso's um, launched from. Yeah, I, I should say that that Paul Bragg's book wasn't the only book I read. I, I started reading any any book I could get my hands on, particularly on uh, bowel health and internal health. Mm. Uh, I think the second book I read was um, Bernard Jensen. Yeah. Um, tissue cleansing. Yep. Uh, and and who was also a massive advocate of detoxing through fasting. Yeah, enemas and, and animas, um, yep. yeah. He um, didn't. His uh, books have some good pictures in them. Yeah, I'm Jeez. just trying to remember a phase he says. He says, you know, it's crystal clear to me that if, you, if, you, if your colon is dirty, mm. your bloodstream is dirty. Yep. If your bloodstream is dirty, nothing's going to function properly. Yep. So he was really, really big on the bowel. He was, he was an iridologist, you're right. He, right. he, he could look at your iris and tell you exactly what's wrong with you and even tell you if you had operations. Yep. He can tell you about chronic disease that you don't even know you've got yet. So he's very, very famous. Uh, the, the other book I read was Norman Walker on mm. colon health. Excellent book. Yep. Uh, he was in the colon irrigations, yep. so he was probably one of the first um, uh, guys in the Western world to promote colon, colon irrigation. Yeah, yep. uh, very popular today, mm. uh, particularly uh, with the celebrities and that in the states. But it's, it's becoming very popular here in Australia too now. Funny though, with um, just with Bernard Jensen stuff, <clears throat> some of his books he had that I'd, I'd seen photos of. He'd have like a picture of fecal matter that someone had passed mm. you know day one day three day five day seven day nine etc and the corresponding relationship to what that would do for their skin disorders and it's funny Amazing. that they'd be you know like uh you know someone's poo looking quite dreadful with you know uh, on day one of course and then yeah. day one next to it would be you know the severe psoriasis they might have day three would be you know more more um, fecal matter being cleansed and, and then and they'd show, though, over that couple of weeks that this psoriatic leg would become almost revitalised. Absolutely. And, 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 and if anyone wants to buy that book, it's quite a graphic book. Mm. And all those photos are in the back of the book. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, um, I think it's called um, Bow Health Through Tissue Cleansing or something like that. I've got, I've got one in the drawer there, actually. But, uh, yeah, you're right. You, you've got a person that's got severe skin condition. Uh, uh, and in five to six, seven days... Uh, it just cleared up, and yeah. you could see what they expelled out of their bowel, which is all, all this mucus and and um, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it before. No, so it was you know I, I don't know how many books I read on internal health, but close to fifty books. Yeah, uh, and and Ron Galatly, I, I met Ron Galatly at um, at one of our uh, Govita meetings actually. Just joined the group, and I think Ron was probably around fifty years of age then, and I was only a young fellow. And um, an amazing guy, Ron. He was. Not only a great naturopath, um, he was on a mission too. Um, taught me a lot about uh, internal health and, and just, um, you know, prevention of disease. 
but he was also a great mentor. He was a um, toastmaster. He was a speaker. Mm, and, great uh, speaker. Yeah, great speaker. And he, he was a champion in, in uh, South Africa where he lived for a number of years. And uh, he was runner-up in Australia a couple of times too. So um, he taught me a lot about uh, public speaking. Mm. And I think I told you once, twice before that I always imagine that Ron's sitting at the, at the back of the room. Yeah, critiquing you. Yeah, because <laughs> I tell you, you what. be on song. That's right. If, 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 if I ever did a presentation, I did it once in front of a group and, um, and I was lazy, he let me have it. Yeah, I bet. And he's in like, what was that? What in the bloody hell was that, Frank? And uh, he says, just remember, when you're up on stage, you've got you to gotta put on your best performance. You've got to entertain these people. Yeah, very, very good mentor in many ways, mate. And, and, uh, and Ron um, wrote, a, I think, three books um, in his time, and that was um, Internal Health. Yeah. Uh, very successful book, sold over 60,000 copies. Uh, and I think it's still sold uh, internationally. Uh, I think it's available still as an e-book. Uh, you've got um, How to Fight Prostate Cancer and Win. Yep. And uh, and the other one was on um, uh, Longevity. I just can't remember the name now, but that was that was an excellent book too. So, so how do we move now into Caruso's Natural Health? You started out you know, with your uh, your detox kit and your quick mm. fibre and obviously it was very much based upon gastrointestinal health. You know, people, um, when they see me now, they meet me and they say, how did you go from a motor mechanic to owning you know, Caruso's Natural Health? I think we, I don't know, somewhere in the top 15 vitamin company in Australia today. And it, it wasn't, it didn't go from, from uh, you know, motor mechanic to, or even from the health food store to where I am now. Mm. You know, in, in, in 1988, I think I've told you the story once before, that we started publishing a newspaper called Health News. Mm. And I started publishing that newspaper because I was writing um, editorials in my local paper. And um, people were just hungry for information. And these were just um, editorials. No internet back then. <laughs> I had a column in the local paper, and it was I called it natu- naturally you or natural health, and uh, I wrote about any subject. Could it be could it be about um, you know internal health. It might have been about fasting, uh, prevention of disease, diet, whatever. And uh, it was working really, really well. People were coming to my store and they wanted to know more. So I thought, gee, it'd be nice if I can get out to the masses, you know. I had this vision that I wanted to educate as many people as I could across the country. And in fact, that's that's the mission I had when I went into the health food store. And I knew that I couldn't do it just from the health food store. So um, we come up with this concept, um, uh, Health News, and it was a, a newspaper, tabloid. And uh, Tony and I um, and another store at um, a couple of other stores, I remember Ian from Windsor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah I contacted Ian and gave him, um, uh, told him what the ideas were. And uh, he said, Frank, sounds like a good idea, but it's going to be very expensive to publish a 12-page newspaper. And I says, look, look, not if we can get other retailers to, to support it. So I went out and, and put uh, a letter out to four or 500 health food stores and uh, asked them if they wanted to participate in this, in this publication. And to our surprise, we got a, 110 or 120 stores right back. They wanted this publication and they wanted to circulate it in their area. And we had orders for 1.1 million copies. <laughs> <laughs> Shit got real. It, it, uh, I, I remember, I remember Ian saying, um, "Frank, do you know how many copies we got here?" I said, "What, a couple hundred thousand?" He goes, "No, we got orders for one point one million copies." Shit. And 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 before we knew it, we had a publishing company. So um, we got stuck into to writing the content and um, getting supplies on board to to support the advertising and so on. Mm. So we circulated this paper for I think for six or seven years, printed over forty million copies, 
So I achieved my one of my missions in, in getting the information out to, to, the um, people. to the people. Yeah, so we did that and I, I, I got out of the publication when I turned 40 years of age, in fact, because it, uh, even, as much as I, I loved reaching out to people, publishing newspapers was a lot of hard work. I don't doubt. Yeah, and it's not something that I was passionate about. Mm. Passionate about the industry, passionate about the message, but wasn't pub- passionate about publishing. And... Um, and I, I just uh, decided to get out of it. And then um, Tony says, come back into the health food store. And I says, no. I said, I think, you know, I worked in the health food store for 13 years. And I thought, you know, I, I don't, at the time, I don't think there was any other health food company or supplier out there that was passionate as I was on natural living. Mm. And I said, I really want to go. I, you know, I've always wanted to bring out an internal cleansing program because that's what introduced me to the industry, internal health. And I said to Tony, look, I want to try wholesaling. And he says, what are you going to do? I says, Look, I just want to give it, just put our toe in the water and see how it works. I knew nothing about wholesaling, right? But we had a fibre product that we were mixing up in our store that we used to sell the customers for, for, for constipated and for bowel movement. And um, I thought, look, why don't we just go out with this product first and see how it goes. And if it, if it works, we'll, we'll go from there. So um, we packed up this product, and I had—I remember I had Dad packing this up at the back, and it only had five ingredients in it. But it was a quite a unique formula. It took us, um, I don't know, probably six or eight months to perfect in the store in 85. And now we're talking 95, right? Mm. And uh, we, we, uh, we got Dad to, to mix up at the back, so we had the formula down pad. And, um, and I remember going out the back and saying to Dad, Dad, look, I'm going to start advertising this in the, in, in the Main Street papers, like in the Daily Telegraph. And he said, um, and I said, uh, and I have to outsource it. You just won't be able to keep up with packing. <laughs> right? And he goes, no, 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 bring it in the cement to mix. I mix it out the back. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, I ended up outsourcing it. And, um, and lucky we did because we ran, I think, the first or second ad in the Sunday paper. Went really, really well. And then we started running the ad nationally. And within, I think, three or four months, we were doing 20,000 units a month. Wow. Yeah, and um, it was unbelievable, and, and and the message was so clear. I was just promoting the product for the benefits. Mm. People that suffer from constipation, here's the natural option. Yeah. And that's how it all started, mate. It, uh, and from there, uh, uh, you know, I was always keen to bring out my internal cleansing program, which I did, and, and I guess the rest is history there. You know, we've just built the range up from there. But you use the word passion a lot. <clears throat> I've noticed. You know, you've said the word passion about 10 oh, times I? in the last you know, 15 minutes. Is passion what you believe has been the secret to your success? Now, you are a successful guy. Mm. You go from wanting to bring out a publication to, you know, having an order for 1.2 million, yeah. million orders. Um, you know, does this all stem from your own passion? Look, mate, I think people ask me that, you know, because, you know, what, what, what are the secrets yeah, what's to the success? Secret what to are the secrets to success, success? You know, it's... Um, it's not an easy one to answer, but over the years, I've I've, I've um, put a few things aside that I've that I've been, you know, um, sharing with, with particularly young people. Mm. And uh, one of the first rules that I teach them, and it, it, it does come down to passion. I think any if you want to be successful in life, and particularly want to be successful with something that you do, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be about money. And in fact, it's never about money. Uh, people think it's about money when they start, but it's not. They have this vision. Right, and the and the vision when they when they think about 
where they want to be, it makes them happy. Mm. And that's what it's about. It's about happiness, really. Yeah. So, you know, uh, an, artist, an artist doesn't, doesn't paint because it's about the money. He paints mm. because he, he loves it. about the subject. Actor. Yeah. You don't become an actor because you want to make money, right? You mm. do it because you're passionate. The same with a musician. I've been there. I've done that. I've done that for years and made no money, but mm. we just loved it. So I tell this story because it has a lot of meaning. Um, once I went over to Bermuda to do a, a seminar to listen to one of the most successful copywriters in, in, in America, in fact, probably in the world. His name was Ted Nicholas. Uh, and he sold over, I think, $400 million of a product um, through the mail. When you've got someone that sells product for the mail, you, you, you want to listen to them because, mm. you know, it's, it's a difficult thing they to do. They know how to sell. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you don't get return orders, you, you go broke. So I wanted to go and listen to this guy. So I remember um, it took us 36 hours, me and Ron. Ron actually um, is the guy that convinced me to go and watch Ted Nicholas. So it took us 36 hours to get there. We had to fly to LA, then New York, and then over to Bermuda. I didn't even know there was a country called Bermuda. <laughs> You know, it, it, you, heard, you heard of the Bermuda Triangle, but yeah. this beautiful little island off, off the, the coast of uh, the east coast of America, about an hour's flight. I think it's only 26 miles long. Anyway, we, we land and we, the first day at the seminar, and there's about, I don't know, 300 um, attendees. And Ted Nicholas is right up the front. He does his, um, his introductory, and um, he's standing up the front. He goes, and he's waving his envelope in his hand. And he goes, in my hand, I've got the secret to my success. And what I normally do is I auction this off at every seminar and the, and the money goes to charity. But today, I'm going to give it to the, the guy that's travelled the furthest to be at my seminar. And he says, anyone here from New Zealand? Me and Ron are looking around and, and no one puts up their hand. We've got him. Yeah. And he says, <laughs> it's us, Ron. <laughs> is anyone here from Australia? And Ron and I both put up our hands. He goes, guys, this envelope is yours, but only on one condition. You don't open it until you get home or on a flight back to Sydney. And we made the, the promises. Sure, Ted, anything you say, mate, just give us that damn envelope, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we grabbed the envelope. Come morning tea, all these Americans are standing around and saying, oh, open the envelope, open the envelope. I said, sorry, mate, we, we promised Ted that um, we wouldn't do that until we get back to Australia. So they toss us their cards and said, look, please send us the email. You've got to remember in 1985, I didn't even have an email address. Mm. Obviously, it was very popular in America. So we got all these cards. We said, we said yeah, look, we'll, we'll send it to you. You know, I never did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Ron and I, um, after a few days, we were there for seven days, and um, great seminar, by the way. We get uh, through uh, immigration and through customs, and we felt, well, this is pretty much on our way back to Sydney. Let's open up this envelope. So we, we tear it open. We open it up. And it was just one line. Do you want to know what it said? Please. And your listeners should write this down because they will forget. But it's so, so true. If you don't know, ask. That was it. That's all it said. And I can elaborate on that. And what he meant was, because I got to know Ted really, really well over the years. And uh, in fact, we used to um, distribute his book here in Australia, Magic Words. But... um, what he meant was, there's always somebody out there that's achieved what you're trying to achieve. There's always, there's always, always somebody out there that's done better than you and has, and has been very, very successful in life, in money, whatever, whatever you, 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 you call success, right? Just ask them how they got there. Mm. I guarantee you that most successful people that you meet 
uh, are happy to tell you yeah, how they got share. there. Yeah. yeah. A very any, any young person that talks to me about the success, I, I guarantee you, you, it depends on their time, not so much mine, but we can spend hours talking mm. because I, I love talking about it. We don't often get, get an opportunity to, to educate young people. And look, they're our future. Absolutely. Yeah. Same and as that, that little kid in the shop that the mum's feeding the bad food to. Same e- thing. Exactly right. And, um, and it's not taught in schools. Success is not taught in schools. You know, kids don't know what it's like in the real world. So... You know, um, you you just find someone that's done it, and I've, I've I've proven it so many times. I've rung up people in America wanting to know more about nutrition or more about supplementation or manufacturing. I can't get them off the phone, mm. and you, you think that these people are untouchable. Jerry Harvey is a good example. Jerry Harvey is probably one of the most successful retailers in this country. He's happy to talk to any young person that rings him up. I hope all your listeners are that fair That's fair income. Oh, yeah. Wow. All you got to do is ring up and say, look, my, my name is, is Sharon. Uh, look, can I speak to Mr. Harvey, please? And his PA will say, what are you going to talk to Mr. Harvey about? Look, I'm just a young Australian. Trying to have a go. Trying to have a go. Yep. I want to be successful. I know that Jerry is or Mr. Harvey is. I just want to spend a few minutes and, and, and just get some tips off him. Do you think Jerry's going to call that person back? I guarantee like you, he will. he'll call you back within within 24 hours. The, the same goes with um, John Simons, John Simons, the yeah. guy from Aussie Aussie Home Aussie Lines. Yeah, yeah um, this, they're just happy to share their information mm. because they want to help, particularly young people. So if you don't know, ask. And 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 that goes for the the rule goes for people. You don't ask people that are not successful. Mm. I hear so many times young people want to go out and try something and they'll ask their friends. And their friends will say, oh, look, it's not a real good idea. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm here to tell you that most of your friends don't want you to be successful. Hmm. And the the reason, sad reality. It is. And, and the reason they don't is because it justifies the position they're taking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to ask a person that is successful hmm. uh, and... Because a person um, that is successful will celebrate your wins, is proud of your wins, embraces you, uh, educates you, picks you up when you're down. Your friends are not going to do that. Mm. So um, I'm not. I'm not saying get rid of your friends unless they're losers. Okay. I know what you're saying, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but have have someone who's who's achieved what you're wanting to achieve. Yeah. Just just ask. Them the questions with the right people. That's mm. what I'm saying. So that, that, that's a huge tip from me, mate. So if you don't know, ask, mm. has that actually echoed through your career? Do you know that to be true? Absolutely. Yeah. Even from the day I started as a press motor mechanic, I worked uh, with, with 19 mechanics. And in fact, I drove them mad. And they, they, just asking questions. Just asking. But I used, to ask, I used to ask all the mechanics pretty much the same question because not all of them <laughs> had the same answer. Yeah, yeah. They all had different ways of doing things. Yep. And I became a very, very good mechanic, particularly a rotary mechanic as a result of that. We were the first ones to put um, a rotary on Liverpool Speedway. Wow. It was the R100. Remember the R100? Yeah, yeah your favourite. 1969. Yeah, correct. And, um, and um, that was a, a real buzz, I've got to tell you. So, um, and I tell kids too, and I, I just did a... Um, a workshop with uh, year 11 and 12 kids. It was only for half an hour at one of these award, award days. And with kids, you've got to be careful because you've got to, you've got to um, 
you've got to use analogies, you know, you've got to, you've got to talk to them in, in their language. In language yeah. And uh, with kids, I say, look, does anyone play sports here? And most will put up their hand. I said, soccer. Half of the room goes up. All the boys put up their hands. And anyone play netball? And half the girls put up their hands. And, of course, girls play soccer too, you know. And I say, look, guys, can you learn how to play the game by standing on the sideline? And they're all shaking their head mm. no. Just made so not. much sense when applied yeah. to a sport, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. How do you learn to play the game? Well, you've got to get out there and kick the ball, right? Well, work's exactly the same. Being successful is the same. It's like a boxer hitting a punching bag. You can hit a punching bag for as many hours as you want, for, for, for many months, many years, but until you get into the ring and cop a few punches in the head, <laughs> you've never got to know how good you are, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I tell kids, as soon as they're old enough to get out there and start working, I don't care where it is, even if it's McDonald's or Kentucky Fry or Woolworths, get out there and start working because you learn so much and ask a lot of questions. I'm telling you, kids don't ask questions today. Mm. But uh, any parents that are listening to this, encourage your kids to ask questions because I'm telling you, they'll, they'll, they'll be listened to because the managers will enjoy it because no one asks questions and they're happy to, to answer questions. And in fact, kids that ask questions get promoted faster than kids that don't. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. You said something interesting before too about, you know, <clears throat> asking someone successful. It's interesting how often they're not only willing but enthusiastic about sharing it because yeah. everyone wins, right? It, yeah. it reiterates what they know because they're teaching it to someone else that they've learned. And obviously they're passionate then about telling someone about what they've done to make them successful. And they don't fear success in you, do they? Because they've no. already achieved it. No, no, they don't. Like I said, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's, I get a real buzz out of it. In fact, um, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I actually enjoy educating kids on tips to success and I do actually talk to them about nutrition. Is that right? Yeah. And in yeah. fact, I get more engagement out of kids talking to them about um, success than I do talking about, you know, what to eat and how to exercise. And it's understandable, I guess, you know, kids, um, they don't hear it anywhere else where maybe the nutritional message, they're getting bombarded from everywhere, uh, right or wrong, but um, no one's teaching success. Mm. It's, it's another passion of mine. And um, when I did my training nights, um, we were talking earlier that, I've got a lot of young uh, people in the audience when I'm doing my, my pharmacy training nights. and we, we have a lot of young assistants there, pharmacy assistants. I get more of the young people coming up to talk to me after the training, inspired by my talk on tips of success that I do on, on nutrition. I teach them little things, you know, like um, if you've got a passion for something, you've got to give it a go. Don't let anyone stop you. I know it's hard. Because a lot of parents want to make sure that their kids get on a path yeah, that's going to see. they think is a, yeah. has a good outcome. Yeah. But I've met a lot of kids, actually, at these training nights. I had one mother and daughter come up to me. This is in Canberra. It's probably two years ago. The mother was crying, and the daughter was standing with her. The daughter was maybe 22 years of age. And I said, what's up? She says, I'm, I'm, you, you, know, you, you really inspired me, and, and you got me so emotional because my daughter... He's always wanted to go into into um, producing movies, into that into that um, that that industry. And I've always told her, no, get a get a real job. And she was starting to be a nutritionist, not because she wanted to, because her parents wanted her to. Hmm. And my talk had convinced the, the, the parent, the, the mum, yeah, yeah, to soften the, it a bit. And the daughter was there; she was just so happy. Because just in the last three months, she had an opportunity to go up to Movie World to 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 um, 
uh, as an assistant for for some um, movie producer up there, and and um, they decided there and then that they were going to do it. So it gives you a lot of pleasure when you hear something like that. And, and how do you know she's not going to be the next big thing? Who knows? You know, you and know, Ron Howard know that he'd go from Richie Cunningham to shit hot producer. You know, and and how Ray Kroc went from being a fifty one year old. Uh, milkshake mixer salesman for yeah, a, owning the biggest McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's uh, I'm not condoning McDonald's, but um, the biggest, um, uh, probably the most successful business in the world. Another thing I, t- I try and teach young kids is, and even young people, there's a lot of young people that graduate, finish school, finish uni, and they have an idea. And um, they're not sure if they should take it. And what, hap- what happens often is they'll try to pursue that, but only part-time. They'll continue working <laughs> and do it part-time. Yeah, yeah. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't work. I'm not saying that it doesn't work in, in all cases, but in... They create a buffer, though. Yeah. 98% of the time, they're not going to be successful because they don't put 100%. When you put your livelihood on the line, I'm telling you, mm. you never know how far you can go. And... Uh, you got to you got to lock that door behind you. Unless you lock that door behind you, there's a good chance that you'll fail, and that's been proven so many times. It's very, very difficult to do, but it does separate the real passion of people to the ones that are not there. And of course, you need support. You find if you got your partner supportive, your family supportive, it makes the decision a lot a lot easier. But the the, the rule that I normally teach is that when you're looking at going into a new venture. You get this um, this feeling of excitement in your body. You can feel it in your body. You think about it. You get really excited, right? But at the same time, you get this a level of fear mm, in your gut. Yeah, yeah you say, "Well, you know, this is the right thing to do." And what if? Yeah, what if it doesn't work? And the way you measure it is this: is that if the level of excitement is much greater. Than the, than, level the, than the level of fear, you've got to give it a go. Yep. If the level of fear is stronger than the, the, the level of excitement, and you can tell, uh, you're probably better off not to give it a go. And I'll tell you why you have that level of fear, because you haven't researched what you're planning to go into. Yeah, That's cool. why it's so important that you ask people that have already done it. Mm. Don't go out blind and don't do it by just reading a book. Go out and ask real people that have done it in the real world where their livelihood depends on it. You know, I've read a lot of books and books are great, but most of the success books are written by just authors that never really put their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's another tip and it's it's very, very important. So it's just a couple of tips, mate. There's many more, but it's a couple. It's funny, I I remember what you said to me many years ago when uh, Michelle and I were, um, I think Michelle was pregnant with Eva, our first child. And I think I uh, was talking to you on the phone one day and I said, oh, Frank, you know, this Michelle's not going to, you know, she's going to go off work now and that's going to be, you know, eight or ten patients a day less income we're having and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how, how do you do it? How do you have family and still be successful? And I remember the way you, uh, you termed it to me. You said to me, Shannon, it's success via necessity. Yeah. <laughs> when there's that fucking mouth to feed, <laughs> somehow you'll earn the money to feed it. You know, it's just the way it is. It's exactly right, mate. And it's, it's been proven in, in human history, you know, that um, you put your livelihood on the line. I tell you what, you'll, you'll learn a lot quicker than you would if you've got that safety net. You've got to jump. 
Yeah, and look, and the other thing is, is people are afraid of change. They're afraid. They're in a in a in a position where everything's comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you know, earning a good wage, and um, and even though they they they, they want to make a move, and they're very passionate about the direction they want to head. Yeah. Uh, the sense of comfort's too high. Yeah, and yeah. it does take a lot of courage to to do that. There's no doubt about it. You got to remember when I opened up my health food store, we we didn't have any money. We had a mortgage plus. Uh, we had an eighteen-month-old baby, Robert. Mm. Robert just turned thirty-seven, um, and David was wasn't even born. And we had to borrow money, in 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 addition to uh, that. And you'd left and, your and you'd left your job, right? And and I left a, a a career, a very good job, where I was earning big bucks. And I actually, when I opened the health food store, this is going back to, to eighty-two guys. So I was earning four hundred and twenty dollars a week as a as a as a motor mechanic. Um, and that was probably twice the amount of wage of a motor mechanic back then because I used to manage um, uh, a yard, uh, and I settled for $200 a week. So I went for $420 a week to $200 a week. To chase your dream and to Yeah, to did that for two years. Grace worked for free for two years. Yeah. Uh, and i, I got to tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was, it, was, uh, it was tough going, but there's no way that I would have made a success of that store if it wasn't uh, for the position I was in. If I had a, a back door that I could have escaped from, <laughs> uh, I, I, I reckon in the first 12 months, because it was really hard work, I'll tell you how hard it was, uh, I wouldn't switch the hot water system on. Yeah, really, just to keep the cost down. Keep the cost down. We used to boil the jug, put it into the bucket to wash the mop the floor at the end of the day, yeah. or to wash the utensils. Yeah. Uh, that's how tough it was. And, yeah. Um, that's a humbling story. You know, I was in your factory. How big is your factory there, down there at Eastern Creek? Oh, about 3,600 square metres. <laughs> you know, racked, <laughs> racked to the eyeballs with stock and all this amazing product that's going out. And it's always humbling for me to hear that, those grassroots stories from someone that wouldn't put the hot water heater on. Do you, you, know, know? you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, when I started um, the Carusos, I, I never intended it to have this big range. Yeah. Uh, I said to Tony, just a couple of products to keep us out of trouble. You know, um, if I can get my internal cleansing program selling across the country, that, that'll do me. Mm. Uh, that's, really, no, that's now sold over 2 million over units. Over 2 million units, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. It's, it's probably the most successful detox program in, in the country. But, you know, I, I, it wasn't my intention. And and when we started it, I was, I was working out of my granny flat in the backyard, right? Actually, in the back of the health food store at first. And then in the granny flat, because uh, it got a little bit busier. And then we, we finally built the new house for Grace. And um, I was working out of the two-car garage, which you would have just seen, right? Mm-hmm. This is the actual house that we built. Um, so that was about, I don't know, 60 square metres. And uh, after about a year, Grace says, you've got to get the hell out of here. I was taking over the house, you know. <laughs> and people walking in and out of the house, people just strangers um, yeah. coming in and out. <laughs> And uh, we ended up um, buying this little place at Weatherall Park. It just happened to be in Frank Street. It was just a coincidence. Frank Street, nice. 239 square metres. Yep. Uh, we are, and I thought, I remember saying to Grace, I'm going to retire here. This was like 20, yeah, 20 years ago this year, actually. We, we opened that in, um, we bought that in 1998. And there you are now with nearly 20 times the space. Well, <laughs> from, from there we went to, um, we built a, we bought block block lambs. We are growing that. So we built a, a warehouse 1180 square meters that was four times the size yeah that four was the last one no that was the second one last one yeah okay, yep. I, thought, I said definitely said to the graces this is this is where i'm going to retire right this is it well we lasted there three years and um 
we bought some more land at Eastern Creek and that was 6,000 square metres and we built the factory that you've seen today, which is 3,600 square metres. Mate, look, it's not a thing where you say, you look at it and you go, this is a, it's been worth it. You really don't have time to think about it. Yeah. I haven't stopped running since the 1st of November 1982. <laughs> uh, but the, the thing is, you've got to really enjoy what you do. Yeah. And you've got to be passionate about it because it's too hard. Yeah. You give up otherwise. Yeah. If, you don't, if you're not passionate, you give up. And I think the, I think the, the percentages are still correct today that 80% of um, businesses go broke within the first five years. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Let's get back to that passion, Frank, because how old are you now, mate? You're 60... 63. 63 is of age, yeah, 64. I've known you a long while. I've never known you as being someone who was really into uh, activity and fitness. That was more my thing. You were just the, mm. the dude with the company. Um, what is it that's now got you so motivated in in, uh, in movement? You know, I've seen you at Spartan events, doing races, you know, with your kids and, you know, uh, on stage beating people half your age in push-up events. What's driven this next phase of your passion now? When I opened the store in 82, yeah. I can't remember exact, um, you know, percentages, but I remember looking at um, the amount of people that suffer from chronic disease yeah. and it was really high. I can't remember the actual figure, so I'm not going to quote them. And, uh, but it was much, much less than it was today, right? And I thought, this is a really good time to open up a health food store. The health food, health food industry was booming, and, and there was like 1,500 health food stores back in those days. And I thought, we're going to get the message out. Health news is out there reaching a million people every, every, every month or every couple of months. But you know what? Over the last, what is it, 36 years since I've opened the store? Yep. And these statistics I'm going to quote now, and these are off the top of my head, so, so don't... Um, don't quote me exactly, but if you want to have a look, just go into the Australian Health forward slash chronic disease. It's all there. This is straight off the Australian website. And the last time I looked was probably six months ago. Mm-hmm. Shannon, I'll ask you a question. Do you know how many Australians actually suffer from one chronic disease? Would you have any idea? No, not really. Percentage? What, 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 20, 24 million of us? Are you talking a number or a percentage? Percentage, number, doesn't matter. I don't know. 25%. Well, you're way off. It's oh, actually yeah. 11.5 million Australians suffer from at least one chronic disease. That's so almost almost 50% almost. of the population. Shit. Remove children, yep. guess how many? How many? Adults. 70% of adults suffer from at least one chronic disease. That's off the Australian website. 70%, 70% of adults. God help me. Do you think we've got a problem in this country? Oh, it sounds like it. Over the age of 45... Sounds prosperous. <laughs> over the age of 40, it gets worse. If you're over the age of 45, every five of those people will suffer from two chronic diseases. Mm. And it gets worse as you get older. Yeah. So uh, we're able, we, we're living longer today, but the last 30 years of our life. Quality of life shit. Yeah. Yep. You're, living, you're living in pain, misery. Yeah. My mate Ron had a funny saying. I've got to quote this. Maybe laugh every time he says this. Frank, I'd rather be rich and miserable. Then poor and miserable. <laughs> I had to quote that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so and you and 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 the same. I'm pretty sure it's on the same website. Uh, they they know, and this comes from health professionals, right? We know that chronic disease can be dramatically reduced. The chances of developing chronic disease by exercising on yeah. a regular basis, yep. as much as eighty percent. And exercising only 20 minutes every day. Now, for a lot of people, it might sound like a lot. Some people, it doesn't sound too much. But there was actually a really, really good study that was um, 
just completed in, I think it was Texas, two years ago, uh, over 10 years, well, I think it was over 10,000 people, that showed that people, in actual fact, that people that exercise 20 minutes every day reduce their chances of developing chronic disease by 80%. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So that's so, not even with dietary change. That's just the movement factor itself. Exactly. So this is the point. You read all this and yeah. you finally went and bought a bloody pair of Nikes and got your ass back <laughs> no, to the well, gym. Look, yeah? I, I, I haven't stopped exercising, but I did go for a period where I, you know, been busy and you yeah. get a bit complacent and yeah. you think that you got your priorities right and you start burying yourself in your business and um, the weight starts to come back on. Yes. Uh and, you know, you wake up to yourself again and you're back at the gym because I've, I found out through experience, even if you eat good food, you still put on weight, particularly if you've got a slow metabolism like mine. I was fat yep. all my life when I was a kid. Yep. So exercise and, and good diet brought that brought that down. So started going back to the gym, started training, and uh, you're right, I've, I've done a number of um, Spartan races and tough blokes and uh, beach bashes and warrior dashes and yeah, cool. a whole lot of stuff. And uh, Grace has done them with me. And, and now we're at UFC, Jim. We, we train every morning for an hour. So the message that I'm trying to put out to, to people is you've got to keep mobile. You look out there. The thing that scares me today, and it's a real serious problem, Sharon, and you've seen this yourself. Did you just call me Sharon? Shannon. <laughs> I'm Sorry, you mate. Stab you with that bone knife in a minute. <laughs> I go to, not, not the UFC, but the last gym that I used to train at, uh, mothers used to bring their children, and there was a, a play area there. So, you know, you, you, they, they had the, the, the balls, they had the swings, they had the slippery dips, and there might have been 15 kids there, right? Guess what all the kids were doing? What, monkey bars and swinging around, moving? All on their devices. Oh, you're joking me. All of them oh, were on God. devices. Yeah. Uh, and your listeners would... would relate to this yep. you see it every day you go and walk through a supermarket kids are walking with their parents with their device in front of them and my kids don't even know what those things are no I know you told me that earlier and, that, and, and that's fantastic mate I've got to tell you I, I reckon Steve Jobs said he was going to change the world with these things well, I, I think he's absolutely right mm. but it's not for the better no you know, uh, I struggle. My grandkids are not here today, but I'm pushing them outside all the time. I'm talking about teenagers. They're 14 and 17, right? Yeah, yeah. Got to push them outside. But it's not just the exercise. It's getting some sunlight too, you know. Mm. Very, very important. So I'm afraid it's going to get worse because a combination of inactivity, particularly with children. Yep. Uh, and um, No wonder everyone's and, depressed and, and anxious and fucked up. Well, Jeez. that's right. And, 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 and look at... Um, uh, kids, diabetes. Don't quote me on these figures, but you go back about five or six years ago, we had a, a diagnosed diabetes type temperature and was about 900. Hmm. The following year was about 1,200. The following year was 1,500. Then it was 1,800. I think last year was almost 2,000 children were diagnosed with diabetes type 2 in this country. In the 70s, it didn't even exist. Yeah. And it wasn't because they, they, they weren't diagnosed. They just didn't exist. Yeah. You know, dead, lifeless food. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and, and um, lack of movement, lack of movement, and 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 a lot of uh, processed foods. Yeah, which um, yeah, the cool thing though, Frank, you know, in that conversation, I know it's miserable and it's a it's a you know, depressing statistic, but we have the we have the control over those factors. We can change that shit. Do you know what I mean? These aren't things that are out of anyone's scope of changing it. Now, this comes down to better parenting. It comes down to, you know, um, better school rules. You know, kids shouldn't be allowed to have bloody iPads and things in lunchtime at school. Mate, that's the a, that's a good news. You're right. Um, 
But people have got to do it, right? You, people you, got to do you it. Know, it just doesn't happen for you. You know, my mission in life, I don't know if I've ever quoted this before, my mission in life, and it always has been, but I've sort of put into it to like three sentences now, and that is, is to inspire people that have influence. Mm. That is doctors, pharmacists. I train a lot of pharmacists. Um, and pharmacists are, are very influential because they're one of the trusted one of the most trusted professions, I think, second to doctors only. Mm. And often the sickest people too, aren't they? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, you know, my mission is to inspire as many people, particularly influential people, yeah. so they can join with me to build this army of health crusaders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, I, I consider myself a health crusader, right? To, to, to get out there and, and educate the masses on, on the... Um, Living better. Well, on nutrition and exercise and the yep. essential roles that it, that it plays in the prevention of disease. That's my message. It's simple. And uh, we need to get out there, mate. I, I know you've got your, your wellness campaign and, and, and you're out there and, 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 um, and I congratulate you on that. You know, I wish I could just give up something and do what you're doing. In fact, um, that's something I, I really inspire to, to get out there and, and educate people. And, and um, one of the things I see with my, being successful in my business is getting the information out, particularly for the digital um, media now and social media which I think yeah. is fantastic I still don't understand it but it's uh, it's, it's great right? <laughs> you old bastard yeah <laughs> so you know um, I, I can see in the next 10-15 years to get the message out to tens of millions of people not just here in Australia but across the world mm. because it needs to happen but you know when I talk to kids and, and if you want to get kids attention a lot of kids think that diabetes is just a sugar problem yeah and when you start if you're very um, forward with them and don't pull back any punches, and you tell them the truth, that diabetes means that you could go blind, that uh, you could, you could lose a limb, leg amputated, you yeah. lose your toes, you could be in a wheelchair. Uh, I, I don't know what the average age is now, but I think it's in the low 60s, the average age for a diabetes type 2 yep. person. Yep. And they really start to listen. It's not just sugar and you can take a pill or an injection for it. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a disease that creates misery. Yeah. And I'm sure no one wants their children. And it is, it really comes down to taking responsibility, not just for your own health. It starts with you because if you take responsibility for your own health, your children will follow. Yeah. I've seen your kids, mate. I've never seen, you know, kids so healthy and so joyful. You told me earlier that, that they're not seen a device. That's amazing because, you know, it just doesn't happen today. Every child has got a device. You know, my, my six-year-old grandson, was, was using a device when he was two years old. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very hard to, to control them, you know? So, um, and it's all... And, and the only reason I've, I've, I'm against the digital device is because it, it creates this um, this issue with inactivity. Kids are not playing. They're not playing. Look out there, mate. Do you see any kids out there? No. In the 60s, that, yeah. that street would be full of kids. Backyard crickets and, yeah. Kicking the soccer ball, climbing trees, going swimming... You know, we used to get home from school, um, throw the bike on the floor. Yeah, on your skatey or your bike. And get out, you know. Billy cart. Talking the 60s, mate. We couldn't afford bikes. <laughs> so all my mates would be waiting for me. We'd go out and do our chores, and then we'd go out in the street, and we'd start playing, you know. The, the street was full of kids. Uh, we'd ride bikes everywhere, yep. or we'd walk everywhere. You don't see kids riding bikes today. Mm. You don't see anyone playing anymore unless they're involved in some sort of sport activity and they're, and they're playing with their team. But it's, it's really sad. It, um, 
It's sometimes it's depressing me to tell you the truth. Mm. You know, it's. Uh, and I, mate, I look down. Yeah, you're in a nice, quiet cul-de-sac here, and I can imagine the fun kids could be having right yeah, there. When I see when I see your kids outside playing and, and and even having a go on on the um on the buggy out there, it's great to see kids playing and and laughing and 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 enjoying themselves. Yeah. But it just doesn't happen. And playing with my dogs, you know. Yep. The poor dogs don't get much much interaction now because no kids want. To Play with yeah, animals, you right. know? Poor, poor things. You, you noticed how, how excited they were when they seen your kids. You yeah, know? Billy squirting water in their mouth yeah. for the water gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell me, how, how's movement changed for you now, Frank? You've, uh, I, I have to say this because I need to see the look on your face, but you are entering your geriatric years. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, Mate, you know I don't believe that, but I have no. to say it anyway. But how's it changed for you now? Like you're, you're back in the gym, you're training harder than ever. Mm. Um, do you find that you know, like your joint health and everything's all good, your mobility's good, you can do anything, Mate, or you're limited these days no, by what you can do? I've got to tell you, it's funny. You know, I've, I've been in the industry now for forty odd years or thirty nine years since I, I read the book. But uh, you go through stage of your life where things start to creep in. Yeah, I noticed that my joints were getting a little bit sore. Yep. My fingers were really stiff in the mornings. Uh, I've had a hip problem for many years. I injured it on one of those Spartan races. Yep. And in fact, I had a bit of a limp. Uh, tried everything to try and fix it. Uh, I was up 84 kilos. So over the years, I've crept up in, in size. And, I, and, as, and as much as I trained, uh, I couldn't get under the 84 kilos. And if I, I went on the eight-week challenge, I'd get to 79. Yep. But it was really hard work. And, and you just think, well, maybe it's old age and you, your body doesn't respond as it used to because I'm training as hard as I did when I was um, 20 years of age or 28 or 30s and 40s. But your, your body just tends to store fat a lot quicker and holds it there. And um, and it's a funny thing, you know. You, you, you talk about changing and, and learning. You never stop learning, by the way. You, you, you always learn, particularly in this area of nutrition. There's always something that you learn. Uh, you know, a couple of things came up. I remember um, Frank at, at work said um, that uh, his wife stopped eating grains. And I says, what for? It's because she's just read a book called um, No Grain, No Pain. And I said, uh, oh, it's a great title. He says, would you like a copy? I says, yeah, bring it in. So he brought me a copy in. He hadn't told you that grain was pasta at this point, <laughs> had he? <laughs> I, well, yeah, the first few pages... Uh, yeah, because I, I wanted to learn because my son's been on the paleo diet, David, for, I don't know, five years. And yeah. he'd be trying to convince me to go on the paleo diet for he's five years. He's fit too, isn't he? Trains hard. Oh, he's a fitness fanatic, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a fitness instructor now. And um, he actually um, done very well in the last Spartan. He actually finished first of his time. Good not he? Yeah, and, but they, they put him back a few places because they penalised him. But we still don't know why. We're still challenging that. So he's very, very fit. Uh, I didn't want to listen to him because, you know, I love my pasta. It's wholemeal or it's rice pasta or it's pea pasta. I still love a pasta and sauce, you know. <laughs> so I, I tried to, I ignored his advice as, as, as much as I felt that he was on the right track. But anyway, after um, uh, reading, reading the book of No Grain, No Pain, it got me sort of thinking a little bit. And then uh, at Christmas this year, uh, I was just showing you this book earlier. Yeah, Grain I, Brain. I, yeah, I bought this at the airport. Yep. Uh, I, I heard it mentioned before and I... I can't remember who told me about it, but I always like to read a new book. Yeah. So I bought it, and it's by this Dr. David uh, Pellmutter. He's yep. actually a neurologist in America. Uh, and I started reading on the way uh, up to Queensland, and I finished the book within three or four days. And uh, 
I haven't touched I haven't not touched grain since I've uh, started reading the book, and I and and it's quite amazing because um, how does an Italian go about eating pasta and bread? We're going out for dinner tonight to Rosetti's. And yeah, Italian, and I, and what I, are we going to do? What are we going to eat? I have not <laughs> touched the grain, so I started uh, watching some videos of um, Dr. Pelmutter, and under those links, I started looking, seeing these this canogenic thing pop up. Uh, high-fat, um, low-carb diet. So I started watching some of those. And I thought, well, this makes a bit of sense. There's a lot of science behind this uh, canogenic stuff, Absolutely. isn't there? Yeah, there yeah. is, yeah. And that's why I, I, I was surprised when I heard you talking on one of your podcasts or one of your, your videos. Videos, yeah. Yeah, because I had no, no idea that you were into the canogenics. You were telling me the other day that you've actually been been teaching this for 18 years? Yeah. Well, using it with patients in the morning clinic for 18 years, well, yeah. You, you bastard. Why didn't you, why didn't you share it with me? <laughs> I didn't want you to get any better nick than me, mate. That's why. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, mate, I started on, first on the grain-free and yeah. on the on the 15th, and, and I, I noticed a dramatic change in a couple of areas. Uh, my joint pain started to disappear within seven, eight days. Literally, I could... Yeah, see this? fingers, I, I hands, could not, yep. Yeah. So the inflammation settled down very, very quickly. I was sleeping a lot better, and my weight started to come off. Not a, not a whole lot, but it started to come off because I was still cheating a little bit. I was still eating the the pea pastas and um, and uh, still eating a lot of carbohydrates. Yeah. So I stayed off the grains, but I still so you weren't keto at this point, but you were no grain keto. free. Yeah. yeah. So I started watching some videos on keto, and then I, I bought a, a couple of books on it. And I thought I said the grace, I'm going to give this a go. And of course, it mentioned intermediate fasting. Yep. Uh, which I'm not a stranger to anyway. Yep. So uh, I said to Grace, I'm going to give this a go. She goes, oh, bloody hell. You know, there you go, Frank again. Diet, you know, <laughs> I'm getting sick of this. You know, I've got to change the way I cook. And I says, no, 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 this, this, is, this is pretty subtle. It's not, it's not so bad. So I started on the 15th of um, February. I've got to tell you, mate, it's, it's, it's been a complete um, eye-opener for me. I've, um, I've noticed so much change. My weight started falling off me dramatically. Uh, just for people that don't know anything about keto, if they've been listening to you, they know. But uh, I've lowered my carbohydrates to under ten percent. Yeah. My protein's twenty percent. Yeah. And my healthy fats at seventy percent. Yeah. Uh, and this was a really big one for me. I've eliminated fruit from my diet because mm. fruit has a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs. And to be able to get under that ten percent, um, you really can't have. Um, but it wasn't just. It wasn't. I didn't do this for weight loss. It was all the science behind it. Anti-aging, anti-inflammation, neurological benefits. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it didn't take a lot of convincing because I was always. I already started to experience some benefits through the no grains. So I thought this can't hurt. So I thought I want to try this intermittent fasting too. So I wanted to get back on fasting because I did it for the first six or eight years of, um, you know, my my, my new life, uh, and then went off it. But I've I've been I wanted to come back on it, but I just haven't had the, the I guess the courage to go back to fasting because it takes a bit of courage to do it. Yeah, a bit of commitment. So I'm going to try it. So I thought I'll fast um, from I'll have my last meal seven o'clock at night and go right to one o'clock the next day. So it's an 18-hour fast. Yep. Not so hard because you're asleep for eight hours of the, the time anyway. And uh, But to do it properly, and I guess so you're not hungry the next day, you've got to get your healthy fats up. Yep. So uh, I, I try to get my healthy fats. I add a couple of avocados, a couple of eggs, um, a lot of olive oil, got my fats up. 
started the intermittent fasting straight away the next day. Wasn't hungry at all at breakfast time. Went easily through one o'clock. I thought, this is, this is too simple. I could have easily went another probably eight hours or longer. Just don't feel hungry. So I uh, started doing that. And uh, it was actually 10 weeks. Um, I've been on the, the program for 10 weeks now. I think it's 10 weeks on Thursday, two days ago. And I've just written a few things in. I'll, I'll just grab it, Shannon. If yeah, I mate, read them out for sure. Yeah. What's this, your findings from the diet, yeah? Yeah. Uh, okay. Results. Lost 9.8 kilos. This is since the... Oh, kilo a week. Yep. yep. Uh, joint pain gone. Mobility in my hip has improved 90%. I don't walk with a limp anymore. Yep. Where it was on an obvious limb. Um, three weeks adopting the genetic file, I noticed mobility improvement and pain reduced dramatically. Every day I felt it would be better, particularly in my joints. Uh, other experiences. Um, stiffness in my joints improved by 95%. Sleeping much better. We normally I only get about five to six hours sleep a night. Now yep. I'm getting the seven, eight hours sleep. Yeah, wow. Um, stress levels have come right down. Another big change, positive mood. Your mood just goes through the roof. Yep. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that, that in a minute. Um, a bit of science behind that too. Uh, no more bloating, no more burping, wind's gone, mm. uh, and body odors reduced dramatically. And that's not my say, that's Grace's say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was a big one. Uh, headspace. You just think much more clearly. It's um, it's quite amazing. So even the energy, isn't it? Yeah, you you just you just I don't know. Your brain's just more powerful, and in my business is very important yeah. because I'm much more productive. Yes, and much more creative. Yep. When your your headspace is good, um, and 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 anyone that um, is listening that knows what I'm talking about when your your mood goes up and down, I got to tell you and and. and that within the, the, the 10 weeks, I don't think I've had a bad day. Your mood level is just up all the time. My, my staff have noticed it, uh, you know, but they can tell straight away if your, your mood's down. Absolutely. Yeah. Not the cranky bastard walking around anymore with the uh, exactly. upside down smile. Oh, another thing was energy levels are gone through the roof. So I'm not training anymore or any longer, but I'm training harder because my energy levels are up. Yeah. But look, I always trained hard and I've always... Out, uh, performed very well at training. At the USC, we did these uh, training sessions. They call them these ultimate daily um, exercise routines, which are quite um, involved and, and uh, intensive. I think you said your, your strength's been up too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, my strength's up. And uh, I, I look, I train majority of the guys. If any of the guys are listening to this, they'll, they'll, they'll vouch for this because most of the young guys can't queue up me at training. Mm. Uh, and, and, I, and I quite inspire them because they all know that I'm over 60. And uh, it's funny, when me and Grace are training together, our age is together, you know, close to 120, right? <laughs> some of the kids, and when we pair up, some of the kids um, together, their combined ages are, might be 40, you know, like yeah. through times their age. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's quite amazing. So there's some of the benefits. Um, there's a few more, but they're most of the benefits that I've experienced on... Um, on, on uh, a ketogenic diet. Uh, yeah. Good one. And, and with the brain activity, I think uh, as Dr... Bert Pelmara explains in his book, the brain is 70% fat. Yep, that's right. Most of us, uh, we starve our brain, of, our brain of healthy fats. Yep. Because we eat far too many carbohydrates and far too many proteins. Yep. And all your carbohydrates uh, get converted into glucose. And all the glucose that you don't store in your muscles or in your, in your, in your, in your liver gets uh, stored as fat. 
So your pancreas, I mean, you know all this, mate, but just telling your listeners, your pancreas produces the insulin to break down your carbohydrates and your proteins and the glucose. So we can only use so much of it. I can't remember the exact percentages, but uh, it stores the rest as fat. So you get on this this um, this um, cycle, I guess. You just keep storing fat, and and the next morning you wake up for breakfast. And a lot of people have cereal, glucose again. You store more fat. Yep. So what the um, ketogenic diet does is when when you reduce your fats right down to under ten percent, and sometimes only about five percent of carbohydrates, your pan, your your pancreas doesn't have to produce as much insulin. So your body has to has to break down something for energy. So your liver produces those ketones that um, activates with the ketosis. Correct. Yeah, yeah your well, body. The outcome of ketosis. Your yeah. ketosis, which breaks down your body, your stored body fat to use for energy. So it's 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 burning. It's it's performing very efficiently. Uh, the analogy that I've used that people that I've shared it with is that, so if you've got a, a, a log fire, right, or a fire that's burning, and you've got a couple of logs in there, and it's burning really nice. And the logs will burn over a period of time, right? Like that's like fat burning, right? You throw paper over the top of it, and the paper burns really quickly. Yeah, that's what happens when you put carbohydrates in your body. Yeah. So your your body will use that very quickly for energy, and leave your fat storage alone. So your body never gets the opportunity to burn down fat. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And, and the thing people don't don't realise is that as we get older, um, you know, and your age is a classic example of it. Particularly taking someone in you know general population who who doesn't exercise and is still eating a carbohydrate-laden diet. The problem with the ageing process is that we get an impairment in insulin sensitivity. So even though we're eating the same amount of carbohydrate that we might have always eaten and might have once worked for us, mm. now we've got issues with actually being able to bind that carbohydrate to the insulin. As a result, we become insulin-resistant, which people have probably heard the... Uh, heard the the process of previous and the insulin resistance itself makes us miserable makes us inflamed makes us depressed makes us tired you know so it, it's a, it's goes a around vicious a big circle, circle. Yep. exactly right and and it's so easily explained I've, I've spoken to a few friends that um that have diabetes type 2 yeah you know what frustrates them most of all because we know that their health professionals know that they can actually um Reverse you know, this. Reverse this yep. diabetes type 2. It is reversible. Yep. It's a medically known fact. Yep. Just through diet and exercise. But most doctors don't spend the time to, to educate their patients on that. It's because they're not trained in it. Well, but, either that or they've got no time to do it or uh, as my, my local doctor says... Well, it doesn't, Frank, it doesn't make sense, Frank, financially. <laughs> I'll well, just say it as it is. It does yeah. not make financial sense to educate your patient in prevention. Exactly. You know, Look, I, think, I don't, mate, I don't, I don't stay away from that anymore. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. That's the truth of it. You know, Look, my my doctor, I think they all start off the same way. I got a cousin of doctor. He says, Frank, when you come out of medical school, you want to change the world. You want to help your your patients, and you want to do the right thing. Yeah. And you and they come into your your your, your office, and and you start talking about diet, and no one wants to listen. All yeah. they want is a script. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and a month goes by, and six months go by, and a year goes by, and all you're doing is filling out scripts. Mm. And then the reality comes. You know, commercial reality is that you've only got like three minutes. I think is the is the average time that that actually doctors will spend with their patients. Mm. They've got no time to talk about nutrition. Hundred percent. They've got no time to educate people on exercise. Mm. But you're right. Diabetes type two is reversible. Isn't it interesting though that physicians aren't trained in diet and exercise? Mm. 
Yeah. But isn't it unusual that you as like an, an early phase Mazda mechanic, it'd be like not being trained in, in, in like a carburetor or fuel injection. It doesn't make sense, does no, it? it how, how can you fix an engine that's underperforming if you're not trained in, in the very thing that fuels its function? Well, let me tell you this, and, and the uh, listeners will, will, will relate to this if they have a pet. And I know this because I, I've, I always ask these questions when I take my, my, my pets to the, to the vet. I always ask them this question, how much study do you do on nutrition when you're doing your, your university course? For animals, yeah? Animals. Yeah. 60% of their training is on nutrition. You're joking me. 60%. <laughs> so well, what, veterinary yeah, yeah. looks at food as a, as a source exactly. of animal health. What I, I used to do too at my training, so I've got, got to find the slide and I'll put it back on my website. I used to put up a slide of dog food and all the nutrition in dog food. This is what, in a canned food, I think it was power back in those days. Yeah. It was like 80 ingredients. Very, very well balanced because dogs eat once a day, right? Yeah. Or cats. So it's got to be a balanced meal. And then you put up Nutri-Grain. <laughs> sugar. Four ingredients. Yeah. Load it with sugar. Load it with... Um, wheat. Wheat and cornstarches. Yeah. and. And they throw a couple of B vitamins in there and a bit of iron. Yeah, don't forget protein. Tie protein. protein. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and you look at it and you go, there's, there's, there's the problem. Yeah. It's so obvious. And yet, we're looking after our pets better than we are our children. That's, that's, that's the truth. Mm. You know, and uh, I don't know why people think that um, their kids are invincible or the human body. He's got a way of, you know, adjusting to all this rubbish. Mm. And look, the human body is an amazing machine. You know, it's, it's just incredible the, the abuse that we, we oh, give we it. give it, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and it comes back for more. But uh, you look at my two dogs. One's 12 and, and one's um, eight. Perfect health. There's no way, and, and, and I don't know what they measure them in, in, in dog years now, but what, what, what's 12? What do they go to? Oh, by seven. Well, it's, she's 85 or something, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. There's no way in the world. The majority of the 85-year-olds are walking. She's well, in really good nick for a rock really too, Gemma. Yeah, yeah. Because I look after a diet. Mm. She doesn't get canned food, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, but, but it, it's, it's obvious, isn't it, that, um, that uh, diet plays a very, very big part. But, but when you come back to health professionals, it's a real shame because it's um, – why, why, why do they put all that effort into to training bets about nutrition and they don't spend any time – training doctors on nutrition it's really sad yeah it is really sad but the, yeah and you know what that that's i think that's probably a hard thing to answer because you know if you can look at it from a pharmaceutical perspective it would make sense that you know animals are uh you know they're a business as well uh you know but why that is i don't know it's very unusual most on you and i did not know that so thanks for giving me that fact that's right when, when i started of course when you start watching these kinogenic videos um you know you hear about um there's a lot of people out there pushing breakfast the most important meal, and <laughs> I think it's all propaganda by the food companies to get you to eat more. I yeah. think uh, you can just imagine. I, there's statistics that've been done on on in actually in America, if everyone stopped eating breakfast, uh, a few million people would be out of work. Hundred hmm, uh, percent. Yeah, I don't know how many million, but tens of millions of people would be out of work because they want to sleep. They want to sleep more. Hmm. We just eat. Too much. We're, we're eating ourselves to death, in fact. Yeah, 100%. And tens of millions of people more would be off medications because of it. Hey, 
yeah. which is also problematic, you know. So feed them more, treat them more. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's all money. You're a businessman. You know how it it's, is. It's so it's so easy to um, to be tempted to buy the products that are available today. You know, when I when I used to run around with mum in the supermarket back in the sixties, I can remember one freezer in the supermarket where they had the frozen food. One box mm. freezer. And now there's like four rows of it. These aisles, aisles yeah. of uh, frozen food. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just staggered when I walk down the aisle today with, with Grace and I see the amount of people throwing frozen food into their trolleys. Mm, convenience. That's what it comes down to. Pe- people are time poor. People are money poor. Everyone's after something that they can try to cook faster, store easier. You know, it's, it's, it's convenient. Same yeah, with no, mobile phones, right? I don't, I don't know it's money because it's actually more expensive to, um, to buy packaged food than it is to cook fresh food. Yeah, it's true. Uh, for instance, um, when Grace makes um, chicken fillets, say chicken nuggets, right? Uh, I remember doing this exercise. What do you put in the ingredients? Like four ingredients, right? With the, the breadcrumbs, this is before the yeah, energetic yeah. days, yeah, yeah. right? Egg, egg wash. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Four, four or five ingredients. You pick up egg, uh, you pick up chicken nuggets in a supermarket, and see how many ingredients are yeah, in there. Twenty odd. Twenty eight or something. I count. Yeah. So, uh, and it's much more expensive. How much yep. does it cost to make uh, chicken nuggets at home? Fraction of the cost which you buy in supermarket. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I, 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 I think you're right. I think it's convenience. It's not. It's not so much money. Did I tell you that story earlier when when my parents, they grew up in Italy and they grew up through, you know, depression and, and through the hard war. Hard times. Really hard yep. times. And uh, she said that her family was always hungry. My dad said he never went to bed on a full stomach. And uh, he couldn't cry because his mother would share her food with the kids, you know? Yeah. So they, they couldn't ask for more. But the thing that, uh, that they found quite amazing is that the rich people in the village were the ones that were always sick. They could afford the sugar. They could afford the, the white flour. <laughs> they ate all the grains and the breads and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they'd done the less exercise because yeah. they didn't have to work as hard. Yeah. My grandmother used to walk five, five miles to, to work and five miles back um, to just bring a loaf of bread on the table. So the know? rich people are dying in their 50s. Yeah. The other people well, live until they're in the 90s. And dying from diseases that my grandmother, um, she said to me, she says, they were dying from these diseases. We didn't know what it was, but it might have been cancer or something in those mm. days, but they didn't recognise it because we're talking about the 30s, right? Yeah. Um, but they, they recognised it back then. And I think what happens is when, when um, things are plentiful and they're time poor, is people will, will, will just, you know, and they, they can afford it, they'll buy all these foods and, and not knowingly they'll, they'll consume them. Slowly but surely, they're, they're putting themselves in an early grave, unfortunately. 100%. Mm. Well, thank Fr- Frank, uh, thank you for being you. Um, I've never said to you that before, but uh, you're a good man. Um, you've been very uh, monumental in my life, in fact, a very good leader and someone I've listened to and applied the, uh, the philosophies you've taught me, which has been awesome. I hope some people that are listening today can take some of the uh, philosophies and apply them themselves for a better life. And... Uh, that better life's obviously multifactorial. Um, love having your tips on, um, you know, on success, which is something most people are, are acutely uh, in search of. So that's uh, that's also really good. Um, just before we leave, Frank, I know that uh, you've got some things you'd like to give away to our listeners, which was awesome. And I'm going to make these links available on the web page, guys. So at thetravellingwellnessshow.com, if you go to episode 28, which is the Frank Caruso story, and scroll down, you'll find the links there. Um, what are these links, Frank? What can people expect? Uh, mate, we've put together a health pack, um, yep. which we offer to to our customers and um, 
and the only time we promote. But uh, we've we've put a whole lot of stuff in there. Yeah. So you'll find some um, some um, booklets on on herbal medicine. Um, you'll find some um, advice on weight loss. Uh, we've got um, discounts on gym membership. We've got free membership um, passes there in in certain gyms that are national. Yep. A uh, whole lot of stuff, mate. I can't remember to be honest, but we keep adding. <laughs> we keep adding, and, and what I tell your listeners too is, if you download the health pack today, come back in a month and download it again because we're getting more and more people onto the health pack. Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep loading it with really good. See, mean, more and more companies and more and more information that yeah, people more are content, giving out there. Yeah, yeah, about chronic disease and how they can overcome that, and you know, and my message that um, I, I truly believe that if you embrace the principles of natural health. You can live a long, healthy life, you know. Yeah, yep. And my, and my, my uh, philosophy has always been: is you make time for good health, you'll always have enough good health for a good time. That's fantastic. I love it. That's awesome, Frank. Thanks so much. Hope you guys having an awesome day wherever you are. Uh, I know it'll improve uh, with the information you've received today from Frank. And you know what, guys? Uh, health crusaders like Frank are rare. And, and Frank, I want, I want to tell you that because I know that particularly, you know, standing at the figure of a large company in this industry. It's much easier to uh, shy away from these sorts of um, interviews and, and to say less rather than to say more. It's ballsy, uh, and I uh, I'll take my hat off to you, mate. All the very best. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Let's go and have a feed. Pleasure, mate. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.